Welcome everyone to a new episode of Unplug with Annie. We're continuing the series on elevation. Today, my guest, Dr. Kiran Corsetti, is a beauty and wellness expert. She's currently working in New Delhi and she is also a celebrity dermatologist from New York. Um, so Dr. Kiran Corsetti is basically on board as a certified dermatologist and she was born and educated in New York and she attended the renowned Columbia University and therefore holds degrees from there, from the UK in cosmetic sciences. And she's doing a variety of things. Now living in New Delhi, she's the only American dermatologist in all of India and the first to bring the most advanced in laser and aesthetic technology to the now booming market. She's very much at the top of her game. She strives to consistently equip her two clinics in South Delhi with cutting edge treatments and technology to ensure her clients are receiving top of the line care, which is amazing and not a surprise considering all her qualifications. Um, and you know, she's, she's catering towards a lot of celebrities and, and a lot of them are seeking out her expertise to maintain um, their flawless and red carpet looks naturally. Um, now, Dr. Sethi also believes in treating external concerns from the inside out and takes a more full body approach, which I'll be asking her about. She's got so many different things going on, which I, I'm going to just get in there and talk to her about. So, um, yes, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome her onto the show. So first of all, welcome to the show. Welcome to Unplug with Annie. I, um, it's, it's an absolute pleasure having you on. And especially, I, I love talking to strong women who are doing amazing work around the world. Um, so thank you for being part of the series. And I just wanted to ask you, first of all, exactly about the work that you're doing and when you decided to be a dermatologist and how you decided to develop this passion in, in cosmetic sciences. So thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on this um, and to work with you. I actually, so to answer your question, I actually wanted to be in skin and in dermatology really early on in med school. So I just loved that dermatology is about everything, you know? So what shows up on your skin can mean anything. You could have a heart problem, you could have a liver problem, you could have a kidney problem, and it could show up on your skin. And I just love that, like, your skin is sort of like the window to the inside of your body. It just was so intellectually stimulating and exciting. And, um, and, and that's just why I became very passionate about it. I just love that I could look at someone's skin and get to know them as a human and get to know what's going on with them. So, and, it's, and it's also really personal, right? Because when people come to you with skin issues, it has a lot to do with how they feel about themselves as well. So you get to know their personality, what their fears are, and, and you can help them also with that. So I found that very um, empowering and very motivating because I could actually help people emotionally as well, not just physically. So I, that's, that's basically why I'm so passionate about it. So um, you, you decided on New Delhi as a place you wanted to open the clinic. So what, what made you decide on, on that? And having two cl clinics already there, do you intend to expand elsewhere or in within India so I came to New Delhi because I actually got married here but now I'm separated and I ended up shifting from two clinics just to one big clinic here in Delhi at the end because I felt that one big center I would be able to really adequately monitor and get the good 
and get really, really strong quality of care and make sure that every client got the results that we want, right? Mm -hmm. But yes, I do plan on expanding because I believe that I can take the way that I handle and administrate and organize results and ensure results and expand it across other centers. I would expand within Delhi, and I'm definitely considering outside of Delhi, but it would need to be in a way where I could ensure that I'm getting the best quality of care because that's what it's all about. It's not just about like treatments. It's about making sure that your client is happy and they're taken care of and they're understood and we're getting them what, we, what they need. Yeah, perfect. But you actually, you, you grew up in the States, right? So initially... Yes, I was born and raised in New York. Okay, okay, amazing. So, yeah, so that's amazing. It's quite a transition, firstly, from uh, the States, obviously, coming to India. It's a completely different environment. Um, how, how, did you, how did you find that, first of all, like the switch and the change? Well, I mean, first it was hard to kind of make friends, and it was hard to explain to people things the way that they needed to be explained to. Like, in New York, I'll explain something in one way, and, you know, the way that they understand is different. And in India, you know, it's it's different how you have to explain. So it's sort of getting getting used to it, getting used to how people understand things. Also, the language I had to learn Hindi. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's also interesting. <laughs> of course, of course, I I can definitely relate to that. And from talking a little bit about the business, then from a business sort of standpoint, um, there's obviously certain challenges which comes with starting something up, let alone in a different country. Um, and, you know, it obviously depends on the support that you have. Um, so what areas of the business did you initially struggle with when you when you started up and you, you knew that you wanted to start up the, the clinic? And how did you sort of overcome these obstacles, if you like? Or did you have a lot of help in the process? So, you know, I think the biggest thing that I wanted to deal with was administration, you know, making sure that, like, the process is good, the client handling is good, that, you know, there's a flow, that people feel well cared for, that the follow-up is proper, and getting a system in place to make sure that happens has, is, is, is definitely not easy. So that was, like, probably the hardest thing, and I actually did that pretty much myself, but I'm lucky enough that I got a great team that's helped me throughout the years and who just continue to make me better. And, you know, I, there's so many other great doctors out there, and you can learn so much from them, too, and from around the world as well, right? Like, what the processes are. You just have to be open and aware as to what's going on around you so you can learn and draw from it and just grow. Yeah. Did, did you have anybody specific that you looked up to or who sort of set that example for you? Well, when I first moved to India, I actually did free clinics for the poor in Calcutta. Mm. So I did two years of free clinics for the poor with my mentor, Dr. Umesh Vora. So he was like a second dad to me. And I think the way that I cared for patients, I have to say, like, has developed so much more because of him, because the amount of compassion, the amount of deep understanding that he brought to each client, I think is something that has motivated me and kept me grounded and kept me the kind of doctor that I want to be. So absolutely, like, he inspired me and just made me a better human. So I give him full credit. Okay, okay. And in your opinion, in order to be successful, um, do you think that it's, it's sort of about getting that one big break in order for, you know, multiple doors to open? Or, I mean, that's definitely sometimes like the obvious way it's true within like the entertainment industry, for example. But do you think it's sort of 
the case in every single industry. And in order to move up the ladder, you do need that kind of one big break or a, a huge platform for exposure. Or do you think it can be done in another way? I actually think you have to be open to opportunity. I think that your mind has to be open. So, you know, when they talk about like law of attraction, mm -hmm. what I think law of attraction means is that like if you've decided that you have a goal, then when your mind is geared toward that goal, all of a sudden you just look around and you see opportunities. You see ways to grow, ways to improve. You see things. You're not just stuck on one line. Your mind has to be fully open. So I don't think there's one big break. I think that there's like a bunch of breaks that happen. And then you use them or you, you pick them or you do them. But you're open constantly to growth and improvement and getting to your and, and, and getting and being the best you can be. If you're constantly open towards that, then success inevitably can happen. You know, there's, of course, a component of luck and a component of a bunch of other things that, you know, we just can't help. But overall, if you really want something and you're open to opportunities in general, I think success can happen. But you have to be open. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and as a woman specifically, were there any specific challenges you faced, um, which were you know more more that you felt were different because you were a woman, and especially being born and raised in the states and shifting countries, and like we said, it, it came along with its its cultural challenges for sure. But as as a woman in business, is there any specific challenges you have faced? Well, as a woman, you know, I definitely felt like people thought they could take advantage of me a lot more. They thought I didn't understand things. They thought I didn't, you know, get a lot of um, financials. And you know what? For some of it, I didn't because I think as women, we're not really raised to learn about finances. Mm -hmm. A lot of us, you know, I don't know, some are, but I definitely wasn't. Yeah. So it, 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 people do take advantage of that. So then you just have to level up, right? And be like, no, I actually understand this concept. I, have, I taught myself. I get it. I know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And you just prove yourself. Also, sometimes patients, there are patients that don't want to be treated by women, particularly women that look younger than they might be. Mm -hmm. So they don't take you as seriously. So they actually would prefer to go to a male. And, or they feel, more, they feel that it's more um, accurate for some reason. So there is that. Like People just judge women sometimes to view them as not as serious or to view them as sometimes that they're not as good in the financial aspect of things or administrative aspects but you know what people learn also it's not a big deal I may have these difficulties that I faced but at the end of the day people also understood that I'm good at my job I can handle the things that you think I can't mm -hmm. and you know you can get taken advantage of once or twice but after that how much more yeah true absolutely and and the, the demand obviously this profession that you're in um, it 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 like there is a huge demand for it at least i believe it's a constant demand from society in a way to for women especially to look perfect and especially as a celebrity um and but you know we all know that stress is also not just reflected on the outside but it's also about what's happening inside and you have said that you really enjoy working from a broader perspective like from the inside out so can you tell us a little bit about that approach that you have well, yeah. So I think I think one is that beauty has be, we have created such a high standard for beauty for women that and for men that I think that we are torturing ourselves. Nobody looks like what they look like on social media or on TV or on whatever outlet that they're looking at. It's a very very rare few, and we are torturing ourselves to get to that point. So one is 
acceptance, reducing the expectation. We are not going to look flawless and completely photoshopped like Kylie Jenner. It is not humanly possible. Even Kylie Jenner does not look like Kylie Jenner. <laughs> so, you know, that has to be understood. Two, we may, you know, in India and in Korea and in countries like this, we do get a lot of pressure. Like, oh, your nose is like this. Oh, you have these pimples. Oh, you have that. Mm-hmm. Learning to like yourself is one of the hardest lessons all of us can learn. But when you learn to like yourself, you actually make better decisions for yourself and you make better decisions also for your looks. The patients who, who don't like themselves are the ones who end up doing things that, where they look artificial, where they don't look as, as nice as they could because they're doing it to fulfill an insecurity. But when you genuinely like yourself and you're doing to improve yourself, actually your result ends up significantly better. You're more confident, you're more trusting, you're more understanding of the process, and you understand where you're going, and you're willing to handle whatever comes your way. And that self-acceptance and that self-love actually transmits. When you meet people, you don't just look at their face. You meet them. You meet their energy. You meet their vibe. And that vibe is enormously important. Mm -hmm. And that love of yourself and that understanding that I'm okay, even if you might think I have a pimple on my face, that's mm-hmm. important. It doesn't mean don't treat your pimple. Treat your pimple. But yeah. don't hate yourself and hate your life because you have a few zits. You're, yeah. You've got a big life in you. We're here on this earth to really, yeah. you know, grow and live and love. And a few pimples shouldn't stop you from that. Absolutely. Another thing is diet. You know, like self-love is also about eating right, exercising, taking care of your mental health. I mean, if you really love yourself, then you will want to put this effort in so that you can stop torturing yourself on a daily basis. Yeah. It, it really makes a big difference. So I spend a lot of time counseling people on just liking themselves, you know, and when you like yourself, taking those actions to make sure that that translates, you know, stopping your dairy, eating healthier, sleeping on time, cutting down your phone usage. I mean, simple things. And they make an enormous difference. You can see the change in people's lives. Mm, mm, for sure and you you mentioned so you mentioned um korea and india uh you know being being pretty tough markets would you say that other places in the world then it's easier or there's less pressure do you think comparatively india and korea then are sort of putting a lot more pressure on women to look perfect or and men if it's the case I think the social pressure is interesting. I think that there's a social pressure in India that for a woman to look like, to have no flaws on her before she gets married. You know, like when, when yeah. parents come in with their daughters and they're like, she has the scar on her left toenail for the past five years. We want to get rid of it before her marriage. You know, I, I, I try and understand. I'm like, okay, fine. I understand you want to get rid of the scar. That's absolutely fine. But at the same time, like, why, why does it matter? You know, she, if you marry somebody, you're marrying them for the rest of your life and they're going to have to deal with you aging, getting sick, you know, maybe getting a bit of cellulite, you know, <laughs> that's going to yeah. happen. So right. why does this one scar make such a difference? You know, this one flaw makes you unmarriageable, unwanted. I think that concept is, is alarming sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and, do, and do you think that social media has encouraged a lot more people just comparing and trying to achieve this perfection that you talk about. Absolutely. I mean, it's, un- it's unreasonable that we wander around looking at other people's faces that have been photoshopped or face-tuned or whatever and saying that, why don't I look like that? Like, I'm, I'm in Durham, and I have pores, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, fine, I, I do a lot of things to myself. I, I take care of myself. They might not be very visible, 
but I mean, I also know that there are limits, right? True. There's a limit. You will all, everyone will have pores. It's impossible. Without pores, we would all die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. I don't think, I don't, I don't think everyone knows that, but <laughs> um, has, there, has, has there been any instances where um, you've recommended something different to what a client perhaps came in for or that perhaps someone has come in wanting a certain amount of something and you've discourage it for x y and z reason and how do you in those kind of situations where there's um, a difference in opinion if you like how do you work around that so i actually say no all the time okay. i do it perpetually a lot of patients come in they want this 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 and this but they don't you know see they're coming to me because i can actually curate what they need right i'm there to guide them i'm not there to give people what they want what you want might not be what you need true so, you know, in general, people understand what I'm trying to say because a lot of people will come in and say they want every single thing treated on their face and body. And I'm like, this is not sustainable. You know, let's focus on one or two things. And, you know, maybe what you're doing might not work for you, might not, might not make you look good. You know, we want to do things that make you look good and we want to do it holistically. We don't want you to like sit here in this clinic every three days getting 75 treatments done. That's not helpful. We want to find a way to improve you, make you look better, make you feel better, but something that's sustainable because you can't like sit in a clinic every day for the rest of your life, right? Of course. You want to treat your concerns and then find a way to enjoy your life and maintain it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I can. People actually understand. People understand very well when you spend, I spend a lot of time explaining things and people, 99% of my clients completely understand what I'm saying. And they get it and they appreciate it. So touch wood, I have great clients that really get where I'm coming from. Okay, that, that, that's amazing. That's always good news. Um, yeah. so you, you also co-host uh, your own show. Tell us a little bit about this. Oh, so basically, like, I did get the look for, uh, I did get the look, which is really great because we talked about makeovers, right? So I did the beauty portion of it. And, you know, we did things like... Um, dealing with your beauty closet you know like I love going in and throwing out stuff in people's beauty closets <laughs> god knows what people use you know things are expired or whatever things you can do at home we talked about I just felt like it was such a great component because there's so much information on the internet and nobody knows what's good and what's bad and it's so confusing so I just felt like I was offering a benefit to people where they got real information that was useful that they can that's actually accurate as opposed to just being confused and listening to 70 people and going on Google for three hours. Mm -hmm. you know, Google sometimes is really detrimental to your skin. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's scary too if you're, if you're searching for anything. I think sometimes related to health, it's just uh, quite a scary place. Um, <laughs> and and how, do you, how do you strive now to get better with where you're at? Because you've been, you've been named best dermatologist in, in India as well. And, and that's quite a, that's quite high pressure to live up to, I suppose. Um, so what do you think is the key to, to constantly, you know, learning? What is that process? What does that look like to you? And how do you keep raising the bar within your field? Oh, well, I keep reading. I'm always reading what's up, what's going on, what's new, what are the new treatments, what are the new, con what are the new ways to treat the same conditions. You know, acne, there's new uh, guidelines every month, practically, pigmentation. So I'm always reading. I'm always, like, watching and seeing what's going on around the world. I go to conferences. I study. It's a lot of work that goes into staying up to date, but that's the joy of it. If I had to do the same thing over and over again, I'd be bored. 
I love that I get to improve myself regularly. I get to constantly learn and innovate and update and adapt. That's where the joy comes from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good way to see it. And just that, last but not least, just a quick rapid fire. I just want to ask them firing questions and it can be short answers. There's no problem at all. Um, is there any advice? that you have to anyone starting a new business venture who really just doesn't know where to start? Don't be afraid of failure. Every failure is a lesson that is gold. Okay. And, mm -hmm. and, and why should you follow your passion? You should follow your passion because, see, every passion still requires hard work. Just because it's hard doesn't mean that it's not something you should follow. But the passion drives you to keep going, keep moving, and gives you joy on a daily basis. That joy is why we live. You know, definitely yeah. follow your passion. Just for simply enjoying your life. Yeah, true, true. And and what is an activity that you do each day which encourages mindfulness? Because this is something which is quite a hot topic and, and something which I talk about all the time. So is there anything specific that you do every day? Yeah, so I actually do a bunch of morning rituals. So first, I, I meditate. So either I'll do like a guided meditation for like 30 minutes or I'll do like breaths for 10 minutes, you know, and, I, and I'll visualize light and um, light entering me and just taking over my life and taking over my body. You know? yeah. So I'll meditate. Um, I'll practice gratitude. I'll think of all the things I've been grateful for. I'll say it out loud. I'll do it with my daughter. I'll do part. Um, I'll visualize what I'm looking for in my life. I'll forgive myself for any mistakes or transgressions that I've made. Mm. I'll try and stay away from my phone as much as I can. Whenever I'm feeling uncomfortable emotions, I try and sit with them as opposed to escape. You know, so I basically try and do this every day. Yeah, that, that's amazing though. I mean, it's such a great routine to have and I think it's important in the long run. It's something which I suppose people just think like, you know, how do you do it every day? But actually, I'm sure in the long run, you really see the benefit of doing all of it. I do because I have faith, you know, it develops faith. I have faith that the world is giving me what I need right now. That if I have a, a setback, I have a problem, I have an issue, it'll be fine and it'll teach me something great. Yeah. That faith is what sustains me. And being grateful, I mean, I have so many gifts. I'm not, you know, just can you imagine, like, I'm healthy, my child is healthy, there's sunlight, I have water. You know, there's such simple things to be grateful for. I mean, absolutely. what gifts God has given. Or, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, uh, I feel very rooted in it. Mm, mm, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I can definitely relate to that. And last but not least, complete the sentence. I love being an entrepreneur because I have freedom. That's great. I think, I think somebody else recently that I've spoken to has said the same thing. So that's, that's amazing. Clearly, it's, it's great to be your own boss. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure of that in whatever you do. It's hard work because you might have freedom, but then you work a lot more. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose that's the downside. I suppose that's and it's a lot more responsibility. So it's hard work and it's more responsibility, but it's, it's a pleasure. Yeah. It's worth it. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, thank you so much for taking time out and coming on the show. Uh, it's really appreciated. Had a lovely conversation with you and wish you all the best in what you're doing. Thank you so much. I had such a great time. Great. Thank you. And uh, hopefully we'll be in touch and I'll be tagging you on social media. So if anyone has any questions, they can 
obviously reach out directly to you as well to follow up. Perfect. Sounds great. Thank you. Great. Thank you. And that was the end of another episode on the Elevation series. I'm super excited about next Sunday. Do stay tuned. And for all updates regarding the podcast Unplug with Annie, do follow and like the page Unplug with Annie on Instagram and Facebook. We're now on 10 platforms, including Spotify, Anchor and iTunes.